So, in closing, um, somebody said I, last week, you know, and I said, talked about that, you know, in 10, you know, the message is coming to an end and you spend 15 more minutes. They said I spent 15 minutes after that. 13? And I said I didn't do that kind of stuff. But, so, I went ahead and did my closing now so I can have a few minutes to finish here. So, I closed it at the, at the beginning. So, you know, I know somebody might be anxious to get home to see the Panthers and... But, you know, you can't leave early, and if I decide to preach, preach a long time, that's just your problem. You know, you can go back and watch it on the Internet or something, you know, because, you know, it's just a game, right? That's not really all that important in the big scheme of things. Right? I mean, I like, I like games. Huh? All right, anyways. So, I, want to, I did want to talk to you about something that's kind of important. And, the, you know, last week I did talk to you about, you know, foundations in your life. That seems to be something God has put in my heart. And because you're, like I said, you know, your foundation is, is everything. If you, you can have the most beautiful building in the world, but if your foundation's bad, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go away. And, you know, I said something in that message that I kind of wish I wouldn't have said but it was the truth, and it was about don't don't pursue your dreams, which is a sort of a bad word on my part because I'm big into pursuing dreams. And Becky's always reminding me to, when I admonish her about pursuing something that's not God, like you're like you're one to talk, you know. Not that she's out trying to do bad things all the time, but you know. <laughs> but you know, it really is the truth in our lives that we really do need to look at our foundations and it's a it's really a tragedy when people pursue things that could be really the lord on some level in their life but they haven't really looked at the they they don't they're not building their life on a, a, a solid foundation and so things happen in their life and there's disappointment that comes things fail and a lot of people become dis enfranchised from the Lord because of failure uh, and tend to blame God because God didn't fulfill his part. The dream could be from God. The vision could be from God. The ministry could be from God. The job could be from God. Whatever it is could be God's heart for you, but because you have not built your life and you have not approached this on the right foundation, you've got a faulty foundation then there's a promise of storms from the Lord himself. He promised us when the storms come, you know, you've either built wisely or you have built foolishly. There's no in-between in our lives. There's, he didn't give us a, a, a third option. Well, you know, you know, and then there's those people who are in-between. There was no, it was either you built wisely on his words, on his sayings, or you have built on something else and those are sands. And the storm will push your house into the, into the ocean. I think it's interesting. I was talking to Larry about this this week. You know, in that scripture in Matthew 7 when he says, Who built your life, built on the, on the rock, built on my words, or in other words, it's built on my sands. I just knew that had to be the rhema word of God, the revealed word of God that we build. And it's not, it's not that. You know what it is? It's the written, it's the logos word of God. Isn't that interesting? You know, I've said for years, and I really believe this, you cannot build your life on a move of God. 
It is not, that is not a foundation to build your life. You can't build your life on revival. Those are not biblical ways to build your life. It's really just not what the Bible teaches us. It's not what Jesus taught us. He said, you build your life on my sayings. You allow his sayings to become a part of you, and you build on that. And when God brings the wind of the move, the, the wind of favor, the, the wind of acceleration, that just gets you down the road further. That's what it does. It helps you. But if you try to build on that, you're, you will sink. That's a wonderful revelation, isn't it? It really is. And, if, and that's what I would encourage you is his sayings, his words, his, uh, you know, let's have a time where God, where we meditate on the, the word of God, where we allow it to become a part of us. We think on it and allow it to become a foundation in our life and the things, everything else we build upon that. That's really what God wants us to do. So maybe a better way of saying it, as we start pursuing our dreams, our goals, and our visions for our lives, we should visit or revisit the foundation of who Christ is to you. Because everything in life, that's the ultimate revelation. That's the ultimate thing is who, who this person is. And the way you see this person, I'm sort of giving you a summary of last week, like I say, in closing. The way you see this person, the way you know God, the way you think about God, what you believe about God will affect your life. That's what the parable of the talents teach us, right? Three people, one got five, one got two, one got one. The five and two invested what was given to us. The one said, you're a hard, I believe you're a hard man, so I'm burying the talent. And how did the Lord approach him? Well, you said I was a hard man, therefore I am a hard man to you. Do y'all get that? God became to that man what that man believed about God. That man believed that God was hard and difficult. And because of that belief, the way he saw God, God came to him like, true, God was not a hard man. God's a, a loving man. Do you see what I'm saying? But it's, a, it's almost like our circumstances come and will tell us something. It'll tell us, it'll reaffirm the thing we think and believe about God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everything will affirm that God is angry. Everything will affirm that God is down on you if you believe that way. Everything will. It'll tell you that. It'll communicate that to your heart over and over. And it will reaffirm the thing that's in your heart about God until you, and that's why I say you must, we must have a revelation about who He is and see Him, see Him the way He wants us to see Him and know Him the way He wants us to know Him. Because in different times, in different seasons, God comes in different ways. And if we're stuck trying to know God like we did last year, last two years, whenever, you will miss the God of today. You will miss Him, and you will miss what He's doing. I promise you. Are y'all good this morning? So that's just sort of my in closing. Anyways, I want to read this verse again. Titus 2, 11 through 12. This is a beautiful verse. I believe it, it really reveals what full... And I don't want to talk about repentance today, but what real repentance is, what real repentance, this verse declares it because I don't want to really go there, but I'm just going to say I think most of the time the church preaches a half message on repentance. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts. That's what we hear. Stop sinning, you sinners. Straighten up. Quit being apathetic. Quit being dumb. Quit being stupid. Get with the program. 
That's a sort of a half message. But there's another part to it. It's not just stopping. That's half. It's not stopping something. It's not quitting being a certain way. It gives us a, a way to live our life, to live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. That's what really God's called us to be is to live soberly and righteously in the present age, living soberly and righteously, in an awesome way, soberly, righteously, righteously and godly. That's the full measure of repentance. That's turning from something to something. That's stopping believing what you believed and believing something different, right? And anyways, grace always teaches us to empower us, teaches and empowers us to stop doing something, but it doesn't just in there, it says, don't just stop, do this. Don't just believe this and act this way. Believe this and act this way. That's what it will do. And then your life will begin to change. And the fruit, the things that you're looking for in your life will begin to happen. That's amazing to me. Well, anyways, I wanted to focus on the word uh, soberly this morning. And I want to tell you about the word, first of all, this is really a brilliant word. It comes from two words. One of them is sozo, which means saved, healed, and delivered. And the other part uh, is a word called friend, P-H-R-E-N, which is a, a Greek word for the mind. So it's a saved, healed, and delivered mind. To, to, that's what it's declaring that, that God has given us, every one of you, every one of us, we have access to a saved, healed, and delivered mind. We, there is within our reach to have health in our mind, to have health in our emotions, to think right and to believe right. There's the possibility for every Christian in this room to have that mind flowing in you. Uh, it tells us that grace teaches us how to think and thus act in a responsible manner. To think and act in a responsible manner. Sensibly, wisely, being in self-control and full possession of intellectual and, emo- and emotional feelings and thoughts. That's powerful, isn't it? And so whatever situation you find yourself in, no matter what you hear, what comes your way in life, you have within your reach to be able to think about it right, to see it from heaven's perspective, and make decisions in your life based on not what you are hearing and seeing, not what has happened to you, but what God is saying and declaring about it. It is within the reach of every Christian to live that way. It really is to have our minds whole, to have our minds healed, and to think proper thoughts about ourselves, about God, about everything that's going on in the world. If you want to have a good marriage, get these thoughts. If you want to have a good family life, get these thoughts. When we begin to get these thoughts and live according to these thoughts, stuff changes in your life and things will start coming your way that you want to come your way. God has, God has created an order in the universe. And when we flow in that order, life will work for you the way you really want it to work. Amen. The desires of your hearts, the things that God has for you will begin to work and flow. But when we get outside of His order, trouble starts. Difficulties start. And things don't work the way they, we would like them. Grace teaches us how to choose thoughts and think things on purpose. 
to choose thoughts because thoughts are constantly coming into your mind. Constantly. You're constantly thinking stuff. I think 30,000 thoughts a day is what most people have. Think about it. That's 30,000 things that can have a major impact on your life. I don't know how they counted all those thoughts. But the truth is we don't just have to think about whatever. That's what the Bible really teaches. We don't have to just think about whatever comes into our mind. The Bible tells us that grace has given us within our reach to decide what we're going to think about and reject stuff that we don't want to think about. Reject what we hear. Reject what we see. We reject what we feel when we know this is what not God's heart. This is not what the Father is revealing. Now let's read over here. Well, you know, I wanted to tell you about some, Proverbs 23, 7. Everybody in the world knows this. As a, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you think is going to determine the course of your life. So I want to ask you just, just a moment to think this. The course of your life, are you happy with the course of your life? Are you, do, are you messed up this morning about the course of your life? Then I have an answer for you. It is the grace of God allowing that to begin to work in your mind. Given its permission to do what it does. That's the answer for you. I wanted to read 2 Timothy 1.7. Um, for God has not given... This is really amazing here. This is a powerful... For I love this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That word sound mind is the same word I just read to you in Titus. It's the same thing. God has not. That's what it's saying. It's saying God has made this available to you. God has made love available to people, right? We're all pursuing and reaching for love. We believe that. We want that. And we've had to fight a war over that. We've had to fight a war just to believe that God loves people. Isn't that the stupidest thing in the world? Because we've believed the wrong thing. And so the church has had to battle to believe that God is a loving God and He's not angry. We've had to battle for that revelation. And I was up for the battle. You know, it's a battle worth fighting. Because once I win that battle in my heart, I can help other people win that battle. Because I, I can tell them about a God who really is love. I think that's beautiful. And also, God's given us power. He says power is within your reach. We, sh- we got we to gotta fight that battle too. We got to go after the power of God. We got to resist this thing of powerless Christianity. We got to resist it. We, we got to forget who cares what people think. You know what? We've got to forget all that. And we really got to pursue the power of God because it's within our reach. It's, it's available to us. And it's a pitiful Christianity that's not a powerful Christianity. It really is. It's not a Christianity that God wants us to be involved with. And it's, there's also this sound mind, which I like to call it the, the mind of Christ. Um, I believe that's what a real sound mind is. His mind working in your mind. His mind and your mind together, welded together, joined together, where, there's a, where you can't separate your mind from his mind. How would you like to be so full of the love of God that fear could never find a home in your heart? How would you like to be so full of the love of God that fear would never find a place in your heart? It doesn't mean you won't have fear. doesn't mean you won't experience fear, but it won't plant itself. It's like the old saying is you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can sure stop them from nesting in your head. And when that bird of fear comes 
to you. How would you like to be able to say, just keep flying? I mean, just keep, just head on. They ain't, there's no place for you to rest here. There ain't no nest in this, in this heart, in this mind for you to the land. I'm not going to have you here. You know, I believe we'd all love that because the world is ate up with fear. That would be the one thing I believe right now that's affecting the world is the spirit of fear. And right here he just said, God's not done this. God's given something else. And how would you like to have the power of God where every storm, every circumstances you face in life, that you had a confidence in you that you could speak to that thing and stop it in its tracks. That it did not have to overcome you. It did not have to de- defeat you. How would you love to, to have that flowing in your life? In every situation that you found yourself in, every circumstance, every decision you had to make, you had, would have the mind to bear to make it. We all would. That, and seeing God is saying these things are within the reach of every believer. And God is trying to convince the people they're right there, they're within your reach. If you'll change the way you think, if you'll allow the, the grace of God to work in life, you can begin to grasp hold of these things. No matter what the news says, no matter what your friend says, no matter what your circumstances tell you, God says, I have another thought that I want to release. And God is looking for people who are willing to resist the things of this world and what the world is telling you, what the news is telling you, the bad news and all that stuff. He's looking for a people who be willing to give him a chance to go to work in their hearts and their minds to get a different thought going. And get a different thought going means you're going to get a different life going. And that's really the, 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 the truth if there's ever been told. <sighs> so in closing... <laughs> Um, I had this dream. I have, well, I don't have. I have dreams from the Lord. I hope you do. If you don't ask Him, then He'll give you dreams. Um, he really will. Profound dreams. I had a, a powerful one last night, but I don't want to talk about it because I need to think about it some more. But I did have a dream a few years ago, uh, and in the dream, I was standing in my front yard looking at this tree. I think I might have shared this with y'all before. But I knew everything about this tree that there was to know about trees. Not that I'm interested in knowing about trees on a natural level, but I knew intricately about the tree. I knew how that tree worked. I knew, I knew that in that tree there was medicine that would cure people of disease. I knew all kinds, you know, the leaves, the tree, the leaves, you know, it's in the Bible. But I just knew everything about this tree. I knew everything about plants. I looked around me. I knew I had all this knowledge that was amazing. It was, it was God's knowledge. That suddenly in this dream, I had his knowledge about plants and trees. And I was, I was waking up. I knew I was waking up, and I felt this knowledge fleeing from me, and I was doing everything I can to remember. <laughs> if I could just hold on to some of this, I can do some stuff in the earth, Lord, with this knowledge about these trees. Well, you know, when I was fully awake, I couldn't remember a thing about it. What was that? I know there was something about this bark that was really important. I just know there was. I couldn't remember. Well, I thought about that dream for a long time. Okay, and this week I was talking to somebody about it. I don't remember who, but, but I started thinking. This word came into my mind. It's called transpiration, transpiration. Uh, anybody in here know what transpiration is? Well, like, okay, Don, of course Don does. You don't count, Don. You know everything. <laughs> okay. This is an amazing fact. Okay, so I looked, I thought, I know I know about transpiration. I've read it somewhere, 
Or maybe in that dream, God was talking about transpiration. This is absolutely me. I looked it up. I'm going to read, read to you what I looked up on it. It's the process of water movement through a plant and its evaporation from its leaves, stems, and flowers. That's the process of water movement through a plant. Water is necessary for plants, but only a small amount of water is taken up by the roots is used for the plant's growth and metabolism. The remaining 99, let's, this is amazing, the remaining 99 to 99.5% of this water is lost by transpiration. So whatever the plant, it just takes in a, all this rain. These big trees, they only take in a little bit. Whatever they take in, they keep for themselves, and they give away 99.5% of the rest of it. It comes out, that's what it is. The water comes out of the leaves, and it, what they call transparent. And what it does, is it evaporates into the sky, and it condensates. Y'all know what condensates is, which creates what? Clouds, and when there's enough water... What does those clouds do? They ward it back to the earth. It's what they call this water cycle in the earth. There's a water cycle that works in the earth. And plants have a big part of the rainfall that happens on the earth. That's why in a desert, there's no rain. Because there's no plants trans doing this transpiration thing. I mean, this is amazing. It's spiritual. I wanted to tell you this. I thought this was pretty cool. It says an acre of corn gives off three to 4,000 gallons of water each day. Three to 4,000 gallons of water comes off an acre of corn. A large oak tree can transpire 40,000 gallons of water a year. 40,000 gallons of water it releases back in, into the, to the atmosphere. That's powerful, isn't it? Now, I said this for a reason. I'm not trying to give you some kind of, what is that, botany, Larry? Is that what that is? I'm not giving you a botany lesson. But I believe there's revelation. It's what I call the law of attraction. Okay? The law of attraction. I want to read this to you, this scripture. And I'm switching back to the Bible now from science. Let me just, make, I'm going to read Colossians 3, 1 through 3. So let me just say this about fear one more time. Not all fear begins as a spirit of fear. Now that's really important to know. Not all fear begins that way. Okay, but let me tell you what happens to a person. This is the law of attraction. If you entertain fear long enough, it's going to attract demons into your life. And that's when a stronghold gets in your life. And suddenly you're not just dealing with normal fear that's in the world, that's in the atmosphere of the world. You've you got a spiritual thing working in your life. You've got a stronghold working in your life. And then you can't just shake it off so easy. Then, there, then you're in, there's a spiritual th dynamic going in your life and you, you, you're going to need something spiritual to get rid of it. Y'all following that? So we can actually attract demons by what we think. If you think on the bad stuff long enough, it's going to bring a host of demonic activity in your life. Because this is the truth. In the spiritual realm, God is attracted to himself. Demons are attracted to themselves. 
Now, I, I'm going to show you some scriptures on that in a minute, but I want you to get this because this is really important. It'll put, you know, it'll put a righteous fear of God in you about what you think about. It'll put a righteous fear of God in you if you're being ate up by fear today and it's just consumed by it because you realize, wait a minute, I don't need no demons to come visiting me and set up camp in my thinking. Well, let's, let's read this here, Colossians 3, 1 through 3. In closing, <laughs> see, I'm messing y'all up. Y'all all right? Y'all think I'm being too wild or too loud or too, you know, you know. I read this joke recently. I'll tell you this one joke. I read this thing, 50 things you don't say to a pastor. The first one was this. You don't go to him like, hey, my cousin said you was a real good preacher. I guess you're all right. Or I heard my favorite preacher's podcast on that same, that same subject. His was way better than yours. Here's another one. What do you do for the rest of the time through the week? <laughs> Anyways, I thought those were kind of funny. I, there's a bunch more that was really funny, you know. It says, this is an amazing scripture right here, uh, Colossians 3. If you then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You died. So it tells us two things. One, seek those things which are above. We can seek love, we can seek power, and we can seek a sound mind. We, we can seek those, that's what it says, seek those things. And then it tells us, set your mind on things above, not on the things here. Don't set your mind on things here. Bottom line, don't set your mind on politics. Don't set your mind on what the news says. Don't set your mind on all the stuff that's being said. It says, set your mind. And it says, why do you do that? It says, because you're dead. You're dead in Christ. And if you are setting your mind here, you are not acting like a dead person. You're acting like a, a living carnal person. That's what it says. It says to do that, right? Y'all seeing it? I'm not making this up. This is what the Bible says. It tells us what to think about. It tells us where to set our minds and our affections at. Is to set them there. Because you're, you're a dead person. You're dead in Christ. You've been placed in Him. You've been buried in Him. And that's where you are. And that's how you need to act. And dead people in Christ put their mind on things above. And they seek those things above. Jesus said it like this. Seek first the kingdom of God. This is Paul's version of seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. In other words, you do the seeking part. You do the set in your mind. And God will take care of all this other stuff. He will provide for you. He will do for you. He will answer the questions. Now that's what Jesus taught. This is what Paul's version of seek first the kingdom of God. And you can say, well, it don't work. But I'm going to say this is what the Bible says. So we have a choice to believe our, our experience or our circumstance. I always loved Paula's example when we were in Africa a few years ago. And there was this healing evangelist there who had a lot of amazing healings, really. I mean, right? And I remember we were having lunch and Paula said, well, it's my experience. And he said, wait a minute, your experience doesn't count. The Word of God is all that counts, right? Remember that? 
That's what he said to her. I thought, oh, I'm glad I wasn't Paula just then. Getting <laughs> I'm glad she's the one getting rebuked by this evangelist, telling her her experience didn't count because what he was saying is the true, right? Our experience can lie to us. Our experience can lead us astray. Our feelings can, our emotion can. All that stuff can take us out of what God wants to do. Yet we would believe our own feelings and our own experience and what's happened to us more than we would believe what God himself would say. When you sit back and think, you think, well, that's crazy. Who would, who would do such a thing? Well, the easy question is, who doesn't do such a thing? But God has offered us a way out. Amen? So if your mind is consumed with things of this world, you're not acting like a person who died and his life is hidden with Christ and God. Your life is not going to work the way God wants you, it to work. Okay? And this is a lifestyle, and this is what will attract, this is what will begin to attract the works of God in your life. This will, will attract the presence of God in your life. This will attract, some of you need comforting. And you're wondering, why is God not comforting me? Because you're thinking bad. But when you start thinking, God, the, the Holy Ghost is attracted, and He's a comforter. And it's like some famous preacher said, we call him the comforter because we're going to need to be comforted, right? But we can attract the comforter with our thoughts, or we can, we can think, attract the demons with our thoughts. Which one do you want to attract? Um, are y'all all right? Let me read. Uh, this is amazing, man. I love this verse, Philippians 4, 8 through 9. It just seemed, oh, this is such a cute little verse. This is such a sweet verse. You know, it's so sweet that Paul would say this. But it ain't just a sweet verse and cute verse. This is a power-packed verse. After he talks about people how to pray with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding. Then he says, oh, and by the way, finally, 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 brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are... And he's given practical answers of what to think about. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. Meditate. That's biblical meditation. It's not emptying your mind with a bunch, you know, and letting something come in. It's filling your mind with these things. Letting these things be a part of your thought process. Meditate on these. But the, he just didn't stop there. He said, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. He just says, meditate on these. I've given you an example of what that looks like. Okay? I'll give you an example. These do. And listen, what's going to happen? The God of peace will what? The God of peace will be with you. God will be with you. See, this is the traction. Meditate on these things. Do the things that you know that these things look like. And God, the peace of God, the God of peace will be you attract. Do you see what I'm saying to you? It attracts God because these things are from God. That's why I say it's not some sweet, cute little thing. Oh, we should be thinking about the nice little things in life. No, he's saying these, these, this has power on it. This attracts God to you. The God of peace. And it will combat all that fear and all that craziness that's in the world. It'll combat that because suddenly you're walking somewhere and you know that this God of peace is right there with you. You feel this God of peace. David said it like this. He said, hey, I always see the Lord before me. He's at my right hand and I will not be moved. Psalm 16. He quoted it in Acts 3 or something, I think. 
3 or 4. He's right with me. See, he, David learned this, that if he put his focus somewhere else, he put his thoughts somewhere else, it attracted God to him and it gave him confidence. It gave him strength. It gave him ability to do what David did. Right? And the day he decided not to think that way and started thinking on the things of the world, what happened to him? He wound up committing adultery and getting this guy killed. Did, did I talk to you? I, I got, we were talking about this the other day, about when Nathan the prophet came. Did I talk to you all about that? When Nathan the prophet came to David after he committed adultery and did all this bad stuff and, and told him this little parable, talked in a third person. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little hint. That's how you can counsel some people who don't want to listen to you. Talking to a third person. That's what Nathan did. He started telling David about this guy who did all this terrible stuff. You know? And David got riled up. He was mad. He, he was mad as hell. I'll kill him. I'll get that rascal. He should have never done that. And Nathan said, David, you're the guy. And see, at that moment, David was trapped. I guarantee when he said that, I felt the sword of the Lord went right into his heart and he knew that was me and I just said that's what I'm going to do to him I'm going to get this guy it, I'm thinking boy Nathan he went up in my eyes when I thought about that he went to the king and said that to him the king could have said well you know what Nathan you should have never said it because I'm going to kill you I'm going to kill you like I had the other guy killed isn't that something I just thought that was a cool story. And I'm just telling you, sometimes when you're talking to your children or your spouse and they're not listening, switch into the third, third person. Tell, tell them a story about something that really what you're trying them to get. And you'd be amazed at people. They're like, yeah, wow. What did that person do? I, it's, I'll tell you something I've done sometimes. I'm getting a little bit off. So counseling people, you, you're trying to tell them about something that not. No, no. Like me and Marlon's talking about what? Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Every time you say it, yeah, but. Like, okay, you've yelled butted me into the ground. I don't want to hear no more yeah, buts. You know? So you switch into the third person. You tell them the story. And then all of a sudden they say, well, I know what that person should do. And they give the counsel that they're supposed to do. It's a beautiful thing. It beats yeah, but. I'm just telling you something anyway. Anyways, let me read Matthew 13, 12. Are y'all right? In closing, I'm really going to be finished here in a couple of minutes. I just wanted to get this attraction thing. Listen, this is powerful, Matthew 13, 12. Jesus is speaking. For whoever has, to him more will be given. To whoever has, to him more will be given. Now, he's telling us this law of attraction. He's telling us about this transpiration thing. You get rain, it soaks in. You release it. It causes more rain to come back, and you soak it in, you release it. That's, that's what he's talking about here. I remember when the Lord told me this scripture. I was a new Christian. It was the, this is the first scripture God ever spoke to my heart. And he spoke it to me in the context of my life was falling apart really bad, and I didn't really want it to fall apart really bad because I became a Christian. All of a sudden, I, the people that I thought loved me didn't love me no more. They were threatening me, okay? And, you know, all these relationships were going down the tubes, and I didn't really want them to. And I was just really asking the Lord, please help me, Lord. You know, you've got to help me. All these people that I love, they don't love me no more, and they don't want anything to do with me no more because of you. <laughs> you know? and 
he spoke to me this scripture. And he said to him, whoever has, to him more will be given. And I'm thinking, that's great. And he will have an abundance. That's really wonderful. But whoever does not have, this is where it really, it felt like the hammer came down on me. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And that's what was happening in my life. Because at that point, I had very little of God. I had very little revelation. I had very little. And he was saying, Byron, this is where your life is going with the way it was. Because you didn't have anything. And what you thought you had, you're losing it. But if you'll focus on the first part and start receiving from me, the more you receive of me, the more you're going to get. The more you attract me and think about me, the more of me you're going to have in your life. And I didn't know anything. Because I was just a younger, no, I just found, I was just reading this verse. You know, it wasn't like I heard somebody preach on it. And I decided that's how I'm going to do my life. I'm going to live my life this way where God is going to be attracted to me. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to let God put stuff into me. And the more he puts into me, the more I can get, the more I can get. Like that tree, like those plants, they live this life. They live this life that Jesus is talking about. They're receiving constantly and they're giving away constantly because they have something to give away. They have water. They have a lot of it. And they take what they need to survive and they release it because they know that releasing will bring more into their life. And that's really what Larry was saying earlier about praying for people and about releasing healing to people. You start releasing that and ain't nobody going to get healed if you ain't praying for them, right? I mean, that's what God wants us to do is participate in what he's doing. And the more you do it, the more God can work. Are y'all believing this this morning? All right, one more scripture and then in closing. I'm serious. It's Luke 10, 5 through 6. And this is when Jesus sent those guys out. You know, the 70, right? He sent the 12 out and he sent the 70. So this is one of his instructions. This is amazing. Whatever house you enter... That's what he was telling them. This is, you know, he was telling them practical stuff here, okay? Where, whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. When you walk in the door, you release the anointing of peace there. Now listen, and if a son of peace is there, your peace, your peace, your peace will rest on it. In other words, that son of peace, this peace he's already carrying, he's going to get your peace. He's going to get the blessing of your peace. Isn't that amazing? But if not, if there's no son of peace there, then the peace that you release, you're just, it's just going to come back to you. You're just going to, yeah, I'm good. These guys, you're going to know. Isn't that a beautiful? That's the law of attraction. If you're not the son of peace, when the, when, when the blessing's released and it doesn't land in your life, you wonder why. Why am I not getting blessed? Why is the favor of God not coming to me? He's telling us. He's telling us something here. He wants, God wants to bless us. God wants to release favor. He wants to release anointings. He wants to release gifts to us. He wants us to have these things. He wants us to have a sound mind to be able to live in a, in a, a world that's probably going from bad to worse. And we're trying to stop it. And I don't know that we can stop it. It's like trying to stop a runaway freight train. But we can live here. We can live in this world and not walk in the spirit of this world. We can walk in the spirit of love. We can walk in the spirit of power. And we can walk in the spirit of a sound mind. 
when we begin to allow the grace of God to begin to work in us, give it the opportunity to download stuff into you and stop being so dogged religious and corny about stuff, you know, like, I don't like the way that, you know, forget that. God wants to release an anointing to people, you know. That's what he really wants to do. But you know what the anointing does? Sometimes it just confounds things because it doesn't come such in such a nice package. Right, it comes kind of rough, you know. It's like one of them paper bag people make into gift wrapped sometimes. I think that might have become a cool thing, but when I was growing up, if you got a if you got a gift that was wrapped in a paper bag, you knew that person they want much in there because that person couldn't even afford wrapping paper. It wasn't a hip thing to do. You got a poor a poor man just gave you something. And sometimes God comes to us like that. Are y'all all right? So I believe this year, one thing that God wants us to do, number one, is I, I believe he wants us to look at how we're building our life. Okay? And I'm talking good or bad. I'm talking we can be building our life on a move of God, on a ministry, on this or that. Forget it. It's going to let you down. It's because you're trying to build on the wrong thing. Don't try to build your life on your anointing or anybody's anointing for that matter, or any of that stuff. Don't. Build it on the sayings, the words of Jesus. Then when the anointing comes, when the move of God comes, when the blessing comes, it'll flow you. It'll push you along. You, it's, it's, it works the way it was created to work. So I think that's one thing that God wants us to do, and He wants us to meditate on His words. He wants us to think about it, to put that in our mind. He wants some of you... To quit watching so much stuff on television. Well, that's an old saying, right? Because now you have the internet and social media with a lot of bad stuff, a negative stuff. I'm not even talking about pornography, but that, if that's your problem, that would be a good thing to stop doing, right? I mean, that's not a sound mind, I can tell you. That's not emotions under control. So stop doing that, okay? But also a lot of this other stuff that you're feeding yourself with. Negative things, bad things, critical things. Stop feeding yourself with that. Reject it. And as you begin to reject those things and let God's thoughts come in, things can change. Your thinking will be renewed. It will be rebuilt. It will change. And when you think different, your life becomes different. You start seeing things different, situations different. Now, I think that's really, really key for, for people to be able to have everything that God wants them to have. Because God wants to have us a lot. Have you ever noticed this? God moves powerfully. I've watched it. People are just so thrilled with what God's doing. They're on fire for God. God stops moving powerfully. Some of them even backslide. How much of an indictment of Christianity do we have when people do that? We have to say something is wrong with that because we've built ourselves on something that we were not meant to build it on. And so when the next move of God comes in this church, it's going to be really powerful. It's going to make the last move look like low level. And it's going to really be powerful. And it's going to really do some powerful things. Don't build your life on it. Do not build your life on it. Build your life on the sayings of Jesus, on the words of Christ, the, the, the biblical record. And when that comes, let it launch you. Let it push you into all that God has for you. And you'll be safe. And you'll have a better time. It'll be a lot more fun. And when things shift, you can keep on flowing. Like, okay, we'll just adjust and go on. This is what God's doing now. We're happy. We're happy to be with Jesus. Right? Amen. Stand up. I'm going to pray for you.
Lord, help. Help. If you're in a hole and you're thinking this morning, some people, sometimes people get in holes that they, and they can't get out. Like, you remember that old commercial that woman fell down and helped me and I can't get up? It's kind of pitiful, really. But a lot of us believers find ourselves there. Help me, I can't get up. I can't, I need God to help me. And I really want, if you are in that state today, God wants to help you. And God has very low expectations when you're in that state. The expectation God has, will you let me help you? Will you not bite me when I stick my hand out to lift you up? You know, a puppy will bite you. Your favorite little puppy? I, I remember one time I had a little dog, and it got ran over. I ran down there and grabbed it, and it bit me. I loved that dog. That dog loved me. But at that moment, dogs, they work on the instincts. They don't work on what, how we do. And a lot of times when we're down like that, wounded and hurt, the hand that reaches for us, we bite. When God reaches for us, we bite at him. We bite at the people he sends to us. Really, God just saying, don't, you know, try not to, try not to do that. Don't, be a, don't have an instinct like an animal. Trust the healing of the maker when he puts his hand on those painful spots. If you'll do that, God will put his hand on you. And it may hurt when he puts his hand on you. It may hurt. It really may. But if you'll let him do that and commit your heart, I'm going to let you do it. I might bark and snap and quiver and quiver. You know, <laughs> I'm going to let you do that, Lord. That's how you get out of that place I'm down and I can't get up. Amen? I pray for you. I pray for all, Lord, that you would release this thing. That, Lord, that we'd all begin to see this thing of abundance that you want to release to us, Lord. That You didn't just say we're going to have more when we have you. You said we're going to have an abundance. You want to get us out of just enough for ourselves. You want us to be like these trees who uh, 5% is good for me. I'll take 5%. I got so much from God, I'm going to release the 95%. I'm going to give and give, ridiculously give what you give me, Lord. I'm going to release it back because I know the more I release, the more I'll get. The more I'll get, the more I'll keep from heaven. And so I pray that, Lord. I pray for a revelation of abundance. For every person in this room, Lord. And I pray for those who are hanging on to things of the world and have set their mind on things of the world that today there'd be a shift that would happen that every one of us would see that within our reach, within the reach, Jesus says, the kingdom is at hand. It's right there. It's within your reach. You can have this if you will just stop thinking the way you've been thinking and think in a new way and, and turn to me. I pray that for all these people. Lord, I just want to say this. Jesus Christ died that we could have this. Jesus Christ suffered. Jesus Christ allowed thorns to be driven into his head. Thorns. Big old long thorns pounded in his head and beaten across his head. His face ripped. The beard ripped out of his face when he was being punished and tortured by these Roman soldiers. He doubts the gospel message. So our minds could be healthy and whole. That's the truth. That's the truth of the gospel. And God is declaring that over us today. And he's saying it's within your reach. He didn't suffer for naught. And so whenever you're messed up, psychologically suffering, think about the thorns driven into his head. That curse over your life being broken. And a sound mind being released to you. I just think the Lord really wants to do that for people. God loves you. 
God cares about you. God wants you to have a sound mind. He wants you to walk in His power and He wants you to walk in His love. And I just thank you, Lord, for that today in Jesus' name.